0: welcome to see me now special edition podcast i'm kelsey coleman here with my co-host david ludlum and on the show today we have western colorado community college welding technical instructor damian gustafson am i saying that name right
1: yes you got it right good shot <laughs> right.
0: perfect um hey, oh go ahead <laughs> thanks for
1: being with us today hey i was i noticed it when you came in you have on cowboy boots Yes. That's not, that's not like your typical academic uniform. So I wanted to start off by having you talk about, um, the culture of welding and how would you describe it?
2: Uh, kind of, uh, welding in general is kind of an independent, uh, type culture where you're kind of isolated. Um, you generally speaking welders, you know, we have our hoods down where we're secluded. Uh, we're, we're good at improvising. We're good at making things work. Uh, cause a lot of times we're out in the field, we're out in nowhere. And, uh, so, you know, we don't have the, um, luxury of having a team or whatnot, you know, it's just us under the hood. We're geared up, earplugs on and, and hoods down. And, uh, we're, we're kind of solo, uh, runners and, and, uh, it's kind of that rugged individualism yeah, that people talk yeah, about as kind all, of part little of the rough neck and burned up and, and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of crusty or salty, <laughs> <laughs> salty.
0: When people think of welding, you know, it's such a broad topic, you know, what, what is, what exactly is welding and, and, you know, is it everywhere around us right now?
2: It is absolutely everywhere around us. Every every building on this campus has got steel in it and it had to be touched with by a welder, some fabricator of sorts, uh, drilling, welding, some sort of coalescence going on uh, in there. Um, and uh, it, it's everywhere, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, you're going to be involved in welding, driving, flying, uh Bridges, uh, Welding is everywhere. And the necessity for welding is of an utmost uh, need in any construction out there.
1: I remember as a kid, my grandfather let me mess around with his arc welder. I think it was like Mm -hmm. a little primitive one. It was pretty dangerous. I can't believe I'm still alive. But I just remember how difficult it was to even do the most basic thing with the arc welder. Um, And I look around to Kelsey's point around the world around us and it's everywhere. Um, Do you think there's a disconnect between you know, people's awareness of, of how fundamental welding is to everyday modern life? And if so, like, how, how can we work to make people more aware of how important what you do and all tradespeople uh, what you do is and how it's important to us?
2: I think as us welders, we don't really care if the world knows what we're doing, we're out there doing. But uh, as, as a recognition of the need to understand trades, uh, people should be aware that this world is running through trade uh, works and uh, without them It doesn't happen. You know, you can have as many businessmen out there, which is needed as well, but we can't have the business they're working in without us tradesmen. So it's an absolute must.
0: There's got to be people out there, right, getting their hands dirty, putting the pieces actually together. Uh-huh. And how, how long have you been doing that for? Where did, where did this – is this a passion? Where did it come from? What, what interests you in welding?
2: Uh, I got in a fight with my dad and went to the welder's shop next door and a said if you teach fight? me how to weld, then I will uh, <laughs> I'll weld for free till I learn. So, no, <clears throat> my dad was – excuse me. <clears throat> my dad was uh, – he gave everything away. He did everything very inexpensively. He wanted to help everybody. And well, we were starving. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore pops. I'm going to go make some money. So he kept working on cars and I went in the welding career. Um, I knew I wasn't going to follow through. I mean, although I, I spent a lot of time in college here at Mesa state, uh, at WCCD, uh, but, uh, I still knew I was going to work with my hands the whole time. And I figured I better do a trade that I'm good at. And, uh, Turns out I'm pretty good at welding, um, so. But it wasn't it wasn't a bad decision. Well, I imagine you are pretty good at welding and that's why your program is so popular. Tell us a little bit about the program. So my program, I'm the welding technical instructor for high school. Uh, it is, uh, all the, the Valley here, uh, all the district can have the opportunity to come interview for my course and, uh, take my class, uh, while going to high school, they get concurrent college credit as well. Uh, I, we've created a, uh, basic welder certificate that they can achieve throughout the two years they'll be in my program. Um, And after that basic welder certificate, that all rolls over to an associate's degree, everything's uh, they can utilize all of it. And um, it's an excellent program. It's free to the student. They apply to it. They, they, you know, driven and dedication is an absolute need for it. Um, And then, uh, you know, they, they get to experiment and experience, you know, some real world environment uh, plus, experiment. You know, it'd be nice to, if when I was in high school, I would have played around with some careers prior to investing in the career and deciding it wasn't the career path for me. So this is a good one for that.
0: That's, that's pretty incredible that high school students right now are actually earning college credit at no expense to them whatsoever.
2: And and I say no expense. There is you know short expenses and and so we can't we can't eliminate no expense whatsoever. My my program costs a student per year twenty dollars. So it, $20. in reality, that's really no expense. But um, compared to what you're paying per credit, roughly what three hundred dollars a credit, uh, that's pretty fantastic. And they come out and I, I apologize, but I think it's twenty six credits when they finish the two programs or two years for my program. Um, and uh, yeah, it's incredible.
0: Why, what's the importance behind getting this head start? You know, why Why should students be involved in, in these college courses before college?
2: Um, I think it's important for these kids to kind of realize that they need to put their head in the game. I, you know, with my students, when they come into my class, they're still high school students and I have to drill them constantly on what real life and real world looks like, because in high school, you know, they, they go routinely and, and it is, you know, if, if they don't finish an assignment, what's the repercussion? You know, the teacher will allow them to do, and I don't mean to discredit any of our teachers, but um, the teacher will allow them to make up that assignment most generally. Well, I don't. You, you miss an assignment, you're done with that assignment. That's, and, and what I tell them in my class is, uh, you're getting paid for this because you just got 26 credits times 300 a credit. And so you're going to work for me for that to, to earn this money that's been given to you. Um, You know, instead of getting financially payment, you're getting grades for it. And, and so they, they have to, you know, meet deadlines and understand that the real world doesn't give you a free pass for today. And so I run my class, it really uh, like a business and uh, let them realize the repercussion of their failure or achievement.
1: So we maybe think about welding as a business, and it's a, a pretty practical thing in the sense that I imagine if you didn't weld a staircase correctly or a rail, somebody falls off and can get really hurt. Maybe they even die. But right before this show, we were talking about how you've done a lot of work on the, the buildings here on campus. And I was imagining your steel in the Kephart Fine Arts building. And I wonder if that, in addition to being practical in a business, is welding an art? Of absolutely. Sorts? absolutely hey, what's yeah. artistic about welding?
2: Well, not only does the weld have to work, you know, you have to coalesce the two pieces of metal together. That's the whole purpose is you're putting two pieces of metal together so they don't come apart. You're gluing them together only permanently. Um, But it has to be attractive as well. So every weld on this campus was visually inspected by some sort of inspector. Um, And if your weld is ugly and spitty and it doesn't look right, that inspector is going to spend a significant more time there, which will determine the weld either failure or not, uh, which would cause production to cease while correction of that weld was corrected. Um, And so it is an art. It's an attraction. You've got to make it look good. You've got to make the the profiles of that weld uh, uh, parallel and equal to each other. And then, you know, there's a requirement, every engineer is determined that this, the, the load bearing support that you've created has to have a certain size weld. And you have to create that weld exactly to the specif- or specifications the engineer declared. Um, so it's an art to be able to know what my travel speed, what my work is, how I oscillate to get that weld that he requires. Um, and so it, 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 you've, it's, it's, uh, it's like painting, you know, it's, it's a fine touch paint. You said, um, earlier also when you're talking about your program that it's full always,
1: and and, and we always, I guess maybe we stereotype and think about, uh, welding as being what, maybe a, a male dominated trade, but do you have women in your program? And, and if so, like how many and, um, and where do they go on? Do they go on from there and, and, find successful employment in welding? How does that look for you?
2: So uh, in the college program, we have have probably one to 10 ratio. Uh, With the high school program, I have about that as well. I have not in the seven years I've worked, seen any of my young ladies continue on into welding, but I'll guarantee it's made them a more aware uh, individual by taking the welding class, whether, whether they were going to go on to be lawyers or whatnot, but they are aware of, of what is involved in there. And then, you know, they're going to be one step ahead of anybody else. So, but generally speaking, you're right. It is very male dominant. Um, and without being chauvinistic, it's because things are heavy, things are hot, things are, you know, invested and, uh, my wife's a, a super CrossFitter, and she still can't keep up with me out there. And I'm just a broken old man. So it <laughs> a broken it, old man. <laughs> it's uh, you know, there's a lot of strenuous, and I've I've had to let ladies go that have worked with me um, because they couldn't keep up with the moving of the metal. You know, the production that we we're going through, and so that would be the only downfall.
0: What about you know, in World War II, we have like Rosie the Riveter, right? That whole movement of women. You know, leaving leaving the home and actually going out and and building planes, right?
2: And that's that's what we were talking about earlier. That um, you know, women back in you know World War II time, uh, they they were very good with their hands. They're fine-tuned. They're they're finite hand movement, uh, crocheting and knitting and uh, being stereotypical. But back then, that was very much what it was. And you'd put a TIG torch in these, and these ladies would weld all of our aviation, all the planes, all the structures uh, by TIG welding that. And they were good at it because they had that attention to detail and that finite movement in their hands and that, that capability that they had. I've got big old dude football players coming into my class. Class that can't run a TIG weld because they've never trained that small muscle in there, and so these women could come in there and just burn out these plane frames left and right, and and it, they they were a big uh, addition to our war effort at that time. So so there
1: may be some physical limitations in in those parts of welding that require that really really heavy lifting. Absolutely, but there's a, a significant role for uh, women welders in, in these other places, like maybe aviation yeah. and where you you it's that precision. Aerospace.
2: And, okay. Attention, aviation, to, attention yes. to detail. <laughs> um, absolutely. You know, when we get in and when I speak of the only observation I've had with ladies and is, is in my field, which is heavy metal, but you, yeah, absolutely. You get into aerospace where they white coat weld in there. Um, you get into aviation where it's a TIG torch and it's that finite movement and that attention to detail male or female with your cream of the crop it doesn't matter what do you think kelsey you want to try it out see if you can uh,
0: i've actually i've welded before really I d- well it wasn't I, I i didn't really i did it once and i didn't actually build anything but it was i it was fun you know sparks are flying it's like really intense you wear the cool mask i yeah i could get into it i would need some lessons for sure though mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so you you did mention before about how you know your class is kind of like the entry level into real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your what is your role as an instructor when it comes to teaching students you know to have thick skin because I imagine it you know on the job site or in your field you can't you you have to be a little hard.
2: So when I was hired, they just hired me to teach welding and. I took the burden on myself to teach these kids life skills with a little bit of welding, um, because when they get out into the real world, I really want these guys to come in and and uh, and be aware that uh, this is a roughneck trade. This is this is some some and and it would it sucks that it has to be that way. But there are times when we have a deadline and you're going to get yelled at, or you're going to fail at something, and you're going to get yelled at. and And so I push them to the the pedal. You know, I, I, I hold them, I hold them straight and true and I make sure that they can complete and, and, uh, and bring to the table and, and try to make them employable. That's my whole goal is to make them observant and employable and then kind of give them an idea what real world's like, you know, how, you know, in the rodeo you have
1: different cultures for like roping, barrel racing, bronc riding. If you had to pick an analogy for like, where do welders fit in if they were, if it were the rodeo?
2: Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. Are they the bull riders? Like, we're we're the... prima donnas, oh, okay. you know, um, there's, there's not much, uh, the welder, we don't even like each other. So, um, it is a significant, uh, <laughs> a competition. uh, competition. Everybody's welds are better, um, than the other guys. And, and it's, and, and it's funny because, it's inherent. Be, the students, we don't even, I don't even teach my students to have that competitive nature. And they're out there saying, you know, they'll dig through the scrap bin and be like, well, that's a junky weld. And, and you know, <laughs> and I tell them, I says, unless you can weld better, you can't actually say that. Once you become, then you can. But, so um, is there a
0: right way? Is there a right way to weld? Or is, is it just, it's it's oh, diverse?
2: Yes. Oh, no, it is not diverse. There is one way. And that is to put two pieces of metal together equally. And we have a huge line of inspection tools that we have to go off of and sizes and everything. I mean, we could spend another hour on just how we inspect a weld. So yes, there's an absolute right way, but there's a million techniques to get to that right way. And so everybody has their own technique, but we all come out at the end, be the same, same outcome.
1: And and is it that inter trade competition that, has dri- driven the craft forward to get to the precision and the, I mean, it, it, technologically, I imagine it's like everything else. It's been an amazing trajectory of, of getting to where you can weld with all kinds of different alloys and oh, yeah. create this different strengths welds.
2: And, and like, but it's that competition maybe that uh, that's within the culture of weld welders that drives it forward. I, I apologize. I don't really think I can answer the competition because in, in, in the trades, there's really, I don't, you're talking competition between welders that's promoting it. Yeah, probably. Uh, as for the competition between trades, uh, you know, each person does their own thing and there's a huge respect. I mean, but we all do our own things. Um, the competition between welders, I think, the only thing that does is animosity. I don't think it actually <laughs> so promotes anything. Something to work anything. on instead. Okay. Yeah, um, I think it would be a, a workable <laughs> something to focus on.
0: How important is it to you know not only teach these students how to weld um, and have that thick skin, but be well-rounded, be able to write, be able to have business skills? Is that something you, you do think in your it's
2: class? Hugely important. Um, In my business, you know, we have to write invoices. We have to be articulate in what we're doing. We have to communicate with engineers and be on the same... knowledge level when we communicate and so having a well-rounded attitude as uh, being able to write uh, being able to understand being articulate is very important and in my classes I I promote uh, research papers you know I want them and then I correct their English I correct their grammar as we speak you know I I don't want to let my kids leave my classes some dumb roughneck I want them to be able to communicate and say yeah by the way I can weld and 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 be like oh wow you know this this is this kid's going so that's my goal for him i don't i don't want him to just be you know burned up and and rough <laughs> but
1: you, you said earlier that the the nature of well welders and the welding culture is rugged individualism they tend to like work alone but when they go into the classroom and they see that you're both you you have a rugged individualism about you but you're also articulate and to, and and you and you prioritize writing and communication does that have you? Do you feel like you're really making an impact on showing them that you can do both? You, you can have that, keep that ethos of individuality, but you can also and improve that side of you and be a better welder for
2: it. I do. I believe that as well. And, and I think, uh, the reason I believe that is, uh, when I first hired on, uh, Brigetta Sunderman and her and I were, um, ballroom dancing, not together, but we met there at the ballroom. Um, and, oh, Hey, how you doing? And, um, actually her and I go way back. We were martial arts for when I was way younger. Um, but, uh, she, invited me to adjunct teach and then hired me on. And then when I taught a year, I said, these kids are, it's the worst job I've ever had in my life. Um, it is really hard and it is a lo- real struggle. And so I quit. Um, and then I I got to getting these emails from parents and students thanking me for the direction that they've redirected their lives. And um, and then, uh, so I told my wife, I says, uh, um I think I missed my calling. Cause I think everybody's goal in life is to actually have a calling. They're wondering why they're here. And I just was introduced to my calling and I quit it. Um, and so I, I told my wife, I says, well, if they ever call me back, I'm gonna, I think I'm, I'm going to go back. And, and like one, two weeks later, Brigetta or, or Chris called me back. And so I ended up working again. So I've been there for a little bit. So. Do, you, do you remember of the emails or the calls or letters you got from
1: parents? Do you remember one of them? And was it one letter that that remind that let you know that this was indeed your
2: calling? Um. Well, I've had several. I've had students come to me and say I was going to drop out till I got your class. Uh, I've had parents come in and say, um, "My student, my kid's a different kid. You know, he he respects the 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 shop. He puts away tools. He he corrects me in what I'm doing." Um, the one letter, it, it was very touching. I wish I still had it. I saved it on email, and that's when our email was. We had to prioritize our email and I lost all of my oh, uh, recognition no. letters because uh, I didn't prioritize the right ones, but uh, it, it was, it, it was touching. And when I read that email, I thought, oh, I just blew it. <laughs> hmm. I, I'm going to have to, but uh, so I had another chance. So what,
0: what was it? You said, you know, it was, it was really challenging. So you, you, you kind of tapped out and left. What, what, what was challenging
2: about it? Pete and repeat. It's uh, kids' attention span. I, I guess kids is the improper way of saying things, but students, uh, their attention span is like seconds. They're like ducks, you know. Every day <laughs> they come in and you're you're repeating yourself what you did yesterday, and and it's just such a you know redundancy. I believe is very important. That's how we learn stuff is through redundant you know movements. Um, but this was so much redundancy that I was just pulling my hair out and just going, why can't you guys? write something down. Why isn't this important to you? And, you know, as soon as I stepped back and started looking at the progress, my students were actually making compared to, you know, other things and other students. And I was thinking, I'm doing okay. Uh, I, I, I put too much stress on myself, I think, in, in wanting these guys to be better than me as soon as they left. And uh, so it's I, almost like
1: when you you transitioned the focus away from you and onto the students, and, and you did that by by hearing from them. Yes, you, it it helped reinforce that what you were doing was good for you and them.
2: Yes.
0: <clears throat> Let, let's talk about ballroom dancing. So you, <laughs> and martial arts yeah, too. Yeah, I'm like I love this. You're you know you're like this rough welder who you know you're you're wearing the cowboy boots and the bandana right now, but you but ballroom dancing yeah
2: i uh i 've got one of the most attractive wives in the valley, and uh, she wants to dance and so i 'm constantly trying to get myself so that I can do these things she wants to do, and so we 've tried line dancing and ballroom dancing and uh, country dancing uh, we 're not any good at it we, <laughs> we can 't but uh, yeah we um, <laughs> We, we were Jacks. Well, I'm a Jack of all trades. You know, I, I was a medic. I was a, a detentions deputy here in the Valley. You know, I just tried it all and, and, uh, and you said tried to round myself up. What's that? You said firefighter as well. Yeah. Right? A wildland firefighter in my youth, uh, 18 to about 25, I think. Tell us about the martial arts. Uh, I that was, a <clears throat> so I told you I quit my dad because him and I had an argument. We, we grew up very, uh, Poor, I guess you could say. Um, and there was a martial arts studio next door to me, and I always wanted to do that. And I was also very um, angry, <laughs> um, and I needed a, an outlet to reduce the uh, irritations. Um, and so I went over there and told him, I, you know, I'd cleanish dojo and and do whatever he needed me to do if he would. You know throw me on the roster and teach me how to well or uh, teach me how to uh martial arts and that's when brigetta and I met was in that dojo cebucon um and I did that for eight to ten years i think running working for him and and training with him
0: and you grew up here mhm yeah
2: grew up in born in Montrose and grew up in Grand Junction and moved three miles away from my birth home so
0: is your are you and your dad still in touch? What do you No,
2: My parents are both dead. Oh, they uh I'm sorry. passed away a while back. It happens, it is what it is.
0: Uh, so. You think they'd be proud of you today? I think at so.
2: They were proud of me before they died. So, I mean, I was I'm a one of four, and uh, my siblings are very much <laughs> in frustration with me because I think you know, I was the youngest, and my parents were able to spend time with me, and so they had a little bit of uh animosity towards me, and and the fact that we did more than what they got to do cuz like i said we were not very uh financially endowed so
1: so so you grew up poor and you said you had some anger but you found an outlet for that in martial arts and mm-hmm. you went on to be a wildland fighter and and um then you went on to create your own business um where you have a lot of autonomy over your life and now you're an instructor at a university and a community college and like, does and does that whole story also help you with your teaching in, in terms of maybe you do get students once in a while that come from the background that you did. Yeah. And maybe they don't, maybe they th- have a harder time finding the path you did, and, but you help show them a way forward where you can channel that anger into something great.
2: I try to. Uh, there's some students that uh, exasperate me I'm unable to completely get there but uh, I try to use my background we'll have uh, rap sessions in class where we just kind of talk about some of the the failures I've done you know and all these great things and and interesting uh, life goals that I've had or, or experiences that I've had in the past I've had a lot of failures in there and I, I bring those to the table with pro you know with pride you know and they giggle back in the ground oh you messed up no but I bet you won't, you know, if I can show you that I did mess up, I'm hoping I can help you not mess up in the future. And so I've, I've, I've really used most of my backgrounds to to develop these guys that are struggling with frustration or poor or, or trying to uh, get going on. And, and uh, I enjoy it. I, some, I mean, this year with COVID has been a little exasperating, but um, it is still probably one of the best jobs I've ever had, so...
1: Well, so as we, I know we're getting close to to wrapping up, but maybe I have have two questions for you. Uh, One is what project have you personally worked on that you're most proud of that people might recognize? And the second one is what do we have to do to get you and Brigetta to put on a dancing clinic for (laughs) us and show us what you can do?
2: That will never happen. Um, And, oh man, I've got projects that I've put underground. Um, I've got projects in the Valley, in Wyoming, Um, gateway canyons, Uh, every project I step back and look at and admire almost every night when I shut the doors off, you know, it's neat to just sit back and see when an engineer gives you a blueprint that's two dimensional, it's on paper and you've got a stack of crude metal and you cut it, cope it, weld it, fabricate it, and then finish it. I can't say that there's, I can actually tell you one project is greater than the other. I mean, I've got stories of projects of multiple uh, leveled homes and, and they wanted all steel in it and just to put their grand piano in that one balcony and and just the, in, you know, just the, uh, innovation we had to do to get all that steel up there and in the and out in the boondocks and in the in the hills and stuff like that you know stepping back that was a pretty proud moment um, but every job from you know building some guy's bumper to to this big immaculate building is is i've got a picture of every job i've ever done i pretty proud of every one of them
0: And you're not just in the classroom, you're still practicing building. You still have your business. I
2: still run, not as as intently as I used to, but I still take on jobs as needed. And depending on where I'm at financially, I'll take on more work. And if I don't need to, I will take the summer off and go vacay. Kelsey, one of the messages I think that's really
1: important about this conversation is we think about upward mobility as a four-year degree. You know, sometimes we talk about it like that. But this person the personal story that you shared today, I think shows that upward mobility can happen anywhere where there's education and willingness to get better. And I can tell just through this conversation that you're really good at doing that with students. So we're glad to have you here at, at the community college, part of CMU and really appreciate the conversation today. Very
2: good.
0: Thank you for being here, Damien.
2: I think the willingness to get to to get better is the key word right there. Yeah.
0: This is the See Me Now special edition podcast. I'm Kelsey Coleman here with my co-host, David Ludlam. Thanks for listening.